This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, guys? Here for the Bears Saints preview for week number nine. And, um, you know, I, I you'll hear me mention this to our guest this week, the, the great Ross Jackson. From Locked On Saints, love having him on the uh, on the show. I, I I I don't know really what to expect from the Bears anymore because uh, any time that we've gotten our hopes up this year, we've been crushed uh, almost immediately. But at the same time, this really does feel like one of those games that the Bears will just come out of nowhere and win. You know, regardless of the fact that the, you know nothing leading up to the game, says that this is a game the Bears can win or will win. Something inexplicable will happen. We'll play the right team on the right day, and, you know, there you have it. And and Ross Jackson also has some concerns about the Saints and their consistency, but overall, you know, believes, as I do, that this should be a game that the the Saints come away with a uh, victory. But, um, yeah. I mean, lots to talk about. We got news and notes. Um, news and notes. We got keys to the game, and we have our friend Ross Jackson. So let's go ahead and, and get this thing underway. This is the Week 9 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. Ringing out loud tonight. We hit the peak of the 2023 season with game number nine so uh we we've hit our peak and now it's all downhill uh from here after this as we you know we come barreling down towards the end of the 2023 season this game is like the official halfway point uh for the schedule game number nine on a 17 game uh schedule and uh we're heading out to uh see the saints in the uh superdome um, I just, um, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm just kind of tongue tied on, on, on the bears. I, I know what, what this team is capable of. We know what they, what they can do. We have also the exciting new unknown of, of our new acquisition from, uh, the trade deadline, uh, on Tuesday, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, you've heard me mention it before throughout the season, trust. Do you trust the Bears to actually show up and win this thing? Absolutely not. No, I don't. I don't. Can they? Yes. Will they? Nah. I'd be surprised if they did. So you hate to be the pessimist or, or, or you know, or whatever, but it's just, you know, they just don't leave you with a good taste in your mouth, um, uh, you know, this season, no matter what happens. They'll come in and, and they'll play well when you're not expecting them to. And then when you have hope that maybe they've turned a corner or they figured something out, the next week they'll come back, they'll come out and, and, and basically it'd be like it never happened. They'll just erase the entire experience from your memory 
because they just show up the way that they have uh, in the past or they look unprepared, outmatched, overcoached, you know, outcoached, and, you know, uh, and, and everything else. So, anyway, let's go ahead and dive in. We got uh, news and notes before we get to our good friend, uh, Ross Jackson. Um, coming across the wire uh, today on Thursday, Andrew Billings, our uh, building on feet in uh, def- our defensive tackle, uh, was on a one-year deal uh, for the Bears. Not anymore. He just signed a two-year extension worth $8.5 million, $6 million guaranteed that will keep him in a Bear uniform through the 2025 uh, season, and that's to go along with the Bears. Obviously, we did a special podcast for it making the deal for Montez Sweat, uh, the defensive end from the Washington Commanders at the trade deadline. We gave Washington a 2024 second-round pick, and, uh, you know, everyone's kind of freaking out uh, about it, you know, because we're 2-6. and six. What are we doing making moves like this uh, and all that kind of stuff? And then, of course, Montez did, did, did the fan base no favors by uh, basically not committing to uh, being in Chicago long term, basically he was like, "Well, we'll see," kind of thing in his introductory uh, press conference. So, thank you, Montez. I appreciate that, bro. Uh, not really a moment when uh, we needed you to be honest. I really, really, really wish you to just lie to us and <laughs> just like, of course, you know, we absolutely, uh, you know, looking forward to signing a long term. And then if you didn't, you didn't, you know, kind of thing. But now. Everyone's going to be freaking out about it for the rest of the season, so appreciate that. Uh, by the way, he'll be wearing number 98 on the field when he plays against the Saints uh, this Sunday. So um, didn't mean to brush over the Billings uh, extension, but it just kind of bled into the conversation here. But, you know, Andrew Billings came to us from the uh, Raiders, and he's been awesome for us. He's been that plug uh, in the middle and, uh, has done very well, you know, uh, very, you know, very good at penetrating, uh, the offensive line, getting into the backfield and, uh, things like that. We didn't pick, um, pick him up to be a pass rusher, but more so to be that, uh, that load, uh, in the middle. And, um, he's done an outstanding job of that. And apparently Ryan Poles agrees because we gave him the two year extension to keep him here for the next two seasons after, uh, this year. Uh, as well but um, back to the trade deadline Jalen Johnson did not go anywhere Uh, there were also kind of some odd rumors about maybe the Bears would trade Justin Fields or maybe even Darnell Mooney everybody stays put Um, for Jalen Johnson that was really the only one that was kind of any kind of threat whatsoever uh, to be dealt and for him it was more of a uh I think the Bears did it, granted him permission to seek the trade uh, and everything as a way of uh, allowing him to see what was out there. Or actually, maybe even a ploy to allow Jalen to see just how... Because they they weren't going anywhere in contract negotiations, and it was because, uh, rumor has it, uh, I read an article on Sports Mockery today, says that Jalen Johnson wants uh, Trayvon Diggs type money. Trayvon Diggs just signed a an extension with the Cowboys worth about nineteen and a half million a season. Well, even though Trayvon Diggs was picked literally one pick behind 
Jalen Johnson. Jalen was 50. Trayvon Diggs was 51 in the 2020 uh, NFL draft. Uh, Trayvon Diggs is in the double digits with his interceptions, and he's a threat to come away with the football literally any time the ball goes into the air. And, uh, you know, Jalen Johnson only has three interceptions, two of which he just got a couple of weeks ago against the Raiders. Before then, he hadn't picked off a pass since week one of his first season uh, in 2020. So, um, granted, he is a a very solid corner um, at the at the very be, at the very best, like the lower end of tier one. But I would probably put him in tier two, which means that he's probably somewhere in the area of like maybe 15 to 17 at the most. And I think that's what he was finding out there in the trade market because when he uh, came to talk to the media on Wednesday, uh, basically said he wasn't going to negotiate the talks or talk his contract anymore until the end of the season. So uh, I think that was a strong indicator that, um, you know, the Bears weren't that far off from what the rest of the market thinks he is deserving of. You know, like he thinks he's in the 19 to 20 million uh, a season ballpark. And I bet he came away with uh, offers that were more in the 15 to 16 million uh, a season. And he found that uh, disappointing. Not to mention the Bears wanted a late first or an early second round pick uh, for him. So, you know, so I think that's a good thing. And that he's going to go out there motivated to try to drive his price up. And the Bears will either come back to the table and have to give him uh, that money, or they can be like, okay, bro, so here's what we were offering uh, before. We believe this is still where your where your market is. And, uh, you know, sign here and be in Chicago for the next four to five uh, seasons. So we'll have to see how that one eventually uh, turns out. But uh, I think that was a uh, was a smart move by the Bears, a calculated risk, if you will, to uh, allow Jalen to go out there and and see what the rest of the market thinks he's worth, and I and I think that he was given a rude awakening to find out that it was much more in line with what the Bears were offering versus what he thinks that he should get. So we'll see how that one all uh, you know turns out with the the Bears coming in at over 110 mil in in cap space going into 2024. They have more than enough money to to sign Jalen Johnson and Montez Sweat. So it's not really going to come down to a decision on, you know, having to sign one and the other, kind of like Washington uh, having to, you know, who dealt, you know, Chase Young and Montez Sweat because they've already paid Jonathan Allen and Duran Payne. There's not enough to go around to, to pay and keep everybody. So that's why they ended up getting dealt by the uh, commanders. So the Bears are in a much better position cap-wise, that they would be able to sign Sweat and Johnson to extensions and keep them around in Chicago uh, for the long term. So, you know, Poles still does want to get a deal done uh, with Jalen. We'll see if maybe they can talk him into it before the season uh, is over or if if Johnson is is hard-pressed to uh, stick to his guns and uh, try to drive his own price up before coming back to the uh, table. So we'll see. Uh, the Bears ended up having to let another coach go this week. 
Running back coach David Walker was fired on Wednesday. Um, basically, all the Bears will tell us is that standards were not met on or off the on and off the field, and this is another situation where the HR department had to get involved in the firing, much like uh, Allen Williams. Now, of course, they're not giving out specific details as to what that vague ass answer means, but that's what they're telling us, and um, yeah. So we don't have a running backs coach anymore. I forget who they said was going to be the interim coach for the rest of the season. But it's somebody in-house. Obviously, he's been working with the uh, like the assistant quarterback and, and receiving uh, coach will now take over the uh, running back room for the remainder uh, of the season. But, you know, it's just like, what the hell's going on here? with these guys, with these coaches that HR has to get involved and, you know, God forbid the FPI or authorities and, uh, and whatnot. It's like, who did Eberflus bring into the goddamn building? Jesus. So, uh, and then we got a couple more things here. Uh, Tyson Bajant right now is going to start against the, uh, saints barring some kind of miracle, uh, by Justin Fields. So he'll be the one that, uh, Taking the snaps for the third week in a row on Sunday. Field still listed as week to week. And, um, you know, he hasn't practiced yet um, with that thumb injury. Uh, just real quick to go into the injury report. Tremaine Edmonds has not practiced yet with the knee injury that he left the Sunday night game with uh, against the Chargers. Nate Davis still not practicing yet with the ankle injury. We'll talk about Jaquan Brisker here in just a second because that's an odd situation. Uh, Terrell Smith still out with mono, hasn't practiced uh, yet. Larry Borum skipped practice today for personal reasons. And um, Eddie Jackson, full participation with the foot injury. Braxton Jones, still in his 21-day IR window, has been limited uh, in practice. And Lucas Patrick has been full go uh, with the back injuries that slowed him down in practice uh, last week. Jaquan Brisker, now, he had uh, a concussion earlier this season, um, missed a game for it, and missed last week's game with an illness. Came down with the you know a bug. It's, it's that time of year, and especially with the way that the weather's been going down here in the area, uh, where it was 60 degrees like three days ago, and then on Halloween it was 26 degrees and snowing. Uh, outside you know when you have such a such a vast and fast uh, difference between temperatures um, people tend to get sick when that kind of thing happens so wasn't that big a surprise that that you know brisker came down with something but what was odd is that now that the illness has passed he's back in concussion protocol so i don't know what exactly is going on uh, with that, even uh, Iberflus, who talked about it on Monday, was like, "Yeah, this is a this is a new one. I've never seen anything like this uh, before." But being back in concussion protocol, so maybe maybe the the cold gave him vertigo or something uh, like that. But he's been in back in concussion protocol. Has not practiced yet uh, this week. So it was like last week. Maybe it was like flu type like symptoms or whatever that held him out. And uh, but now he's back in concussion protocol, even though he didn't play 
uh, last week. So it's an odd situation uh, that he's got going on, and we'll have to see what happens uh, with that and how much longer he's going to be out uh, with this. And then final uh, news and note that we have here today, Ryan Pohl's favorite person, uh, Travis Bell, our defensive tackle that we drafted in the seventh round out of Kennesaw State, um, didn't make the team but has been on the practice squad all year. Well, not anymore because the Atlanta Falcons just signed him to their uh, 53-man roster off of our practice squad. So unless Travis Bell gets cut or something like that, uh, he's not going to get a chance to play uh, real football in a bear uniform. I'm sure Ryan Poles was sad uh, to hear uh, that news. So anyway, guys, that's all I got for the news and notes. Let's go ahead and bring in our good friend Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints to help us preview Bears Saints for week number nine. Week 9 has our beloved Chicago Bears headed into the bayou to take on the Saints. And uh, I don't know what to think about this game. Honestly, I don't. But here to help me kind of suss my way through it from Locked On Saints, as always, our good friend Ross Jackson. Ross, good morning, man. Welcome back. Good morning, brother. Glad to be here, man. Thanks so much for inviting me back. So, you know, Ross, you got to help me out with this because on one hand, uh, especially with the way that my beloved played on Sunday against the Chargers. This very much mm-hmm. looks like another game where the Bears couldn't beat me and you and nine friends off the street in a football game. But this is also exactly the kind of game that the Bears will end up winning because the Bears fans are out. You know, like after that performance they gave on, on against the Chargers, you know, mm-hmm. Bajent is starting again, so now there's even more tape than there was going into the the Charger game uh, and all that kind of stuff. And because Bear fans are pissed that Ryan Poles gave up a second-round pick for Montez Sweat, and he's making his debut uh, against mm-hmm. you guys. If he doesn't come out with six sacks, then it was the worst trade in the history <laughs> of the uh, franchise. So this is shaping up to be one of those games the Bears, nobody's going to pick them to win, and then they come away uh, winning are the Saints the kind of team that's going to let that happen, or what? What uh, you know? What What are you expecting on Sunday? Yeah, it depends on which version of the New Orleans Saints show up right. on Sunday. I mean, you know, this is the thing: the Saints haven't scored. Uh, the Saints haven't scored thirty points in back to back games since the end of the season, week sixteen and seventeen, or I guess it would have been seventeen and eighteen at this point. No, it still would have been sixteen and seventeen in twenty twenty. Uh, that was. 52 points against the uh, the Minnesota Vikings, and I think it was like 38 points to close out the season against the Chicago Bears. And so uh, maybe it could be, you know, the same team that shows up from last week that played a great game against the Indianapolis Colts, a game that was not perfect, a game that um, they had to manage a little bit of adversity, a game that, you know, they had to produce on the offensive side, the game that they had to make adjustments over on the defensive side, like kind of showed you all the things that a good football team should be able to do. But what we know about this New Orleans Saints team over the course of the past, let's call it season and a half, is that they tend to win a game, lose two, win a game, lose two, win a game, lose two, and they kind of ride the roller coaster the entire season. So right. it, it depends on which version of this New Orleans Saints team shows up. But hopefully they built a – if the Saints do what they did last week, which is that they go out, 
They didn't worry about playing against the Indianapolis Colts. They didn't worry about game planning for the Indianapolis Colts. They played against themselves. They played against their standard, and that led them to win the game. If they can do that again here against Chicago, then they should be okay defending their home turf. But who's to say any given Sunday? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the that's the maddening thing about teams uh, like the Saints um, and like the Bears, uh, actually, is that you just never know what to expect from one week to the to the next like going into yeah. that Raider game two weeks ago it was another one everybody was out that's why I'm, I'm bringing this up with the you know it's like we had those back-to-back we finally found our offense against Denver and then for real on that Thursday night game against Washington where DJ Moore right. goes beast mode for 230 and three touchdowns and you know Justin Fields has back-to-back four touchdown games with no interceptions then we come into that Viking game and it's just like I'm sorry. You you guys have played football before, right? Because they just nothing went well. Cousins and company moving up and down the field. Uh, you know we can't block anybody or, or anything like that. I mean, it's just the, you know the most frustrating thing in the world. And we're expecting to get our brains beat in by the Raiders, and instead we dominated that game. Yeah. You know with yeah. with Tyson Bajan at running back with or at quarterback our third and fourth. Running backs ran all over uh, the Raiders. We only allowed six points going into the final minute of the game before the Raiders added a garbage touchdown. I'm like, where the hell has this been all this mm-hmm. time? And, of course, Bears Twitter, oh, well, Tyson Bajant. That's exactly, you know, look what he did and all the rest of that stuff. I'm like, okay, well, we trot him out there for, for the Chargers. Yeah, no, didn't have the same magic as before. Couldn't play defense. Decided it would be a good idea to sit back and rush four against Justin Herbert, giving him all the time in the world to pick us apart for 21 of 25 in the first half and three touchdowns. Yeah. So, I mean, and then that's why we're coming into this one. It's like, okay, well, we've seen what this team is capable of, but will the coaches allow them to do it? And, you know, that's what's been the most frustrating part. And I know that there's been a lot of that with Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator, because this is a guy that has – Derek Carr, Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Taysom Hill, and others at his disposal. But aside from this past weekend and your absolute drubbing of the the, the the Patriots a few weeks ago, this is an offense that absolutely struggled to score points uh, in the other games of the season. Yeah, yeah, and that's been the, the story of the New Orleans Saints. And again, this goes back a, a year and a half or so of what will happen. And, and this is where I'll say that the Indianapolis Colts game was different, but let me I'll set this up. So th- what will happen is that you will see a heroic effort by a single individual player. Last year it was Taysom Hill against the Seattle Seahawks or Alvin Kamara in the shutout win against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders before Derek Carr was a New Orleans Saint. Uh, or, you know, at another time you saw uh, against Cleveland, Taysom Hill really come through in that game, all those things. So it'll be maybe like this one kind of heroic effort that will kind of lift the Saints in, you know, onto the scoreboard and then into a win and all that. Uh, and then the very next week, that player will completely disappear from the game plan. And the plays won't be called to get them involved and things like that. And then you see the Saints go and drop a pair of games. And then it's like they go, oh, yeah, we've got Taysom Hill. And then they start using Taysom Hill again. Oh, yeah, there's Alvin Kamara's on the team. And then they start using Alvin Kamara again. And then it goes away after one game. So now what I'm curious about is after you get kind of this more complete team victory where you have you know several players contributing to 160-plus on the ground, uh, you know, Rashid Shaheed with 340-plus yard uh, catches against the Colts. But then you also had Michael Thomas moving the sticks and you had, um, 
You had Alvin Kamara uh, getting involved in the passing game. You had Michael Thomas getting involved in the passing game as well. Like there's just a lot of those pieces that were there for them. Can they maintain that going into this game or do they end up kind of 180ing, which is what they've done all too often over the course of the last year and a half and go away from what's proven to work? Are they a team that plays up and down to their competition this year? Um, you know, I was kind of, you know, wondering because like I said, the fluctuations in, in how they played uh, this season, you know, it makes you wonder because they, you guys basically should have started three and zero if not for Derek Carr leaving that Packer game. But then the Bucks mm-hmm. come to town, and for the first time in, in in the regular season, anyway, the Buccaneers not only beat the Saints but beat them handily uh, in the dome. Mm-hmm. You have that, you know, where you just absolutely just beat the the ever loving you know what out of the Patriots, and then you drop those back to back against the Texans, and then the that Jaguar game on Thursday night, I mean, Foster Moreau probably still upset about that dropping that pass uh, in the corner of the end zone uh, that could have uh, tied it up. Are they a team that kind of plays up and down uh, to their competition? Do they come in not looking prepared and they're playing catch up the whole game? What kind of what kind of team are they this year? Yeah, it, it doesn't. I can't say whether or not they're a team that plays up and down their competition because they haven't played any good competition yet. Like right. the best team that they've played so far this season are the Jacksonville Jaguars. So everyone that they've beaten isn't somebody that they've needed to have like this, you know, David versus Goliath type of effort in order to beat. They've beaten bad teams and they've lost the bad teams. So there's really no playing up or down. It's just that for the most part, they beat themselves. It's penalties. It's drop passes. It's turnovers. It's um, you know miscommunication on the field to where you know. Derek Carr and the receivers aren't on the same page. One's expecting to run this route. Derek Carr's expecting to run a different route. And these are things that happen when you're, you know, a first year quarterback in a brand new system, but probably shouldn't be happening seven, eight weeks down the line. Now we saw all of that cleanup. Derek Carr played his best game as a New Orleans Saint against the Indianapolis Colts. And then, so now you just wonder, can they remain consistent from there? So most of the time it's them beating themselves more than it, more than it is them being beat by their opponent, probably with the exception of that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where the Bucs just kind of handed it to them. Right. I mean, and especially now, I mean, the, the, you guys have the talent. The defense has been the more consistent of the two uh, units up to this point, and you've got this little pocket in the schedule here. The Bears this week, the Vikings next week, the Falcons after that before your first real talented team uh, on the schedule when you go to uh, Detroit on December 3rd. Mm-hmm. You guys win these three games, you're 7-4, and four, and probably in, in pretty firm grasp uh, of the division because the other, the other thing is the NFC South is completely wide open uh, oh, yeah, it's this awful. year. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and, no, and for the second year in a row, no one seems to want to go out and grab this division, mm-hmm. and the Saints are in a really great position right now. They're They're – they're better than the next three teams that they're going to play. But, you know, history says, or, you know, at least recent history says that they're going to find a way to maybe screw up one or two of these games and not be where they should be going into that Lions game. Yeah, and, and that that's the thing that they can't have happen, right? right? I mean, this should be a four-game win streak. They've got the bye week in between Minnesota and Atlanta as well, so you got the bye week before you're getting ready for a divisional opponent. The flip side of that is that Atlanta's on their bye week at the same time, so that both of those teams are going to be coming off the bye weeks. Both those teams historically very good off of bye weeks, so that's, the, that, that's something to watch out for just as an extra piece 
of the puzzle. But I mean, uh, not only will Detroit be the first real talented team that the Saints will play this is it, it's probably the only real talented team that the Saints will play through the rest of the season. I, I think Jacksonville's up there. Um, and but they already lost to Jacksonville, so that's out of the way. And I expected them to lose to Jacksonville. I also expected them preseason to lose to uh, to lose to Indianapolis. I had them at four and four through the first eight games. That's exactly where they are now. They just took a different route than the one that I expected them to take to right. get there. Uh, and so at this point, what they have to do is find a way to move forward with maybe two losses. So maybe you're looking at, you know, cause you're trying to win 10 games or I guess three losses. So you're trying to win 10 games to win this division. That's all you got to do. So there's enough breathing room there for them to get it done for certain. Uh, the question is like, can they make, can they, continue what they've done now the thing that you can have confidence in as you mentioned is the consistency of the defense which has been a little inconsistent throughout games but on a game-to-game basis they're a really good defense still and so what i do have confidence about going into this game is there's a you know d2 rookie quarterback going up against Dennis Allen's defense. And I think that Dennis Allen and the way that they disguise their defense, Marcus Robertson, the way that he coaches the secondary, uh, Todd Grantham, the aggression that he's injected into this defensive line, Demario Davis, Pete Werner, Mike Hodges, what they do at, at the second level at the linebacker spot. I do think that they can do enough to keep Tyson Bajan uncomfortable, but they can't let the run game get going because those third and fourth string running backs, including guys like Foreman and all that, like they can still run the ball. And I know that Flew still wants to run the ball and the Saints can't the Saints have to force this team to be one dimensional and if they can force them to be one dimensional then they might get the opportunity to take advantage of some mistakes uh, but they have to be able to do that so it all starts with their ability to eliminate the run game first and then if they can create opportunities for mistakes they have to take advantage of that but you know look we all know that DJ Moore is going to get one if, if nothing else because when he was in Carolina he was good for at least one 75 yard touchdown every time that they played so we'll see what, what he does in a Bears uniform again well, from your lips to God's ears on that one, I, uh, I would really, <laughs> I would really love to see at least one from uh, from DJ Moore uh, on Sunday because he was virtually non-existent against the Chargers uh, this mm-hmm. past uh, this past Sunday, and it's just one of the more frustrating things about uh, Luke Getze is like like you were talking about. We'll, we'll have this you know amazing performance from this one guy, and then the following mm-hmm. week you won't remember that he's on the team, you know. Like, somehow, Cole Komet caught 10 passes last week against the Chargers, and I was like, did he, though? But statistically, <laughs> 10 catches on 10 targets for, like, 60 yards or 70 yards, whatever it ended up being. I was like, huh. I mean, I remember he caught a couple, but 10? I didn't realize yeah. he caught 10 uh, passes. So, But, you know, that's just how the, the offense uh, can be, you know. And we got Roshan Johnson back for the first time in three games mm-hmm. last week. He had six stinking carries uh, in the game. Uh, Foreman, who was still our lead back uh, last week, uh, only had nine carries. And this was after we ran up and down the field on the Raiders the week before. Now, I know that the Chargers and the Raiders have different defenses, but you kind of want to stick with what's working, especially when you have an offense that struggles with consistency like the Bears do. Yeah. And that's another thing that the Saints will have to do, because I think if I recall that game correctly, the reason why Chicago went away from their run game and the reason why they walked away with so few carries is because the Chargers got out to a huge lead early. And that's something that the Saints have struggled to do. They struggled to start. And so that's a big piece of eliminating that run game is if you can get out there 
to an early enough lead on the offensive side. You force Chicago to keep the ball off the ground and instead go to the air because that's how you put points on the board, right? Running the ball can win you some games, but if you want to score points, you got to do it through the air in today's league. And so if the Saints can finally find a way to start fast, that could be another way that they end up forcing sort of that one-dimensional turn for Chicago and then being able to lean back and maybe try to come after Tyson Bajan a little bit. Yeah, and I think what was what was really killing the Bears is that the Chargers did to us what we did to the Raiders, which was really, mm. you know, methodically move the ball down the field. Because it's not like the yeah. Chargers ate our lunch and, you know, 60-yard play here, 30-yard play there, right. or, or whatever. You know, even though they have the capability of doing that, um, you know, it was Austin Eckler for seven, uh, Johnston for six, and, you know, uh, who, their tight end was, what, Parnum? For five and, you know, 10, mm-hmm. 11, 12 plays, seven, six, eight minutes right. taken off the clock. That's what we did to the Raiders uh, two mm-hmm. weeks ago. We had an 18-play drive at one point uh, in the game that took almost nine minutes uh, off the clock. That's how we were able yeah. to bludgeon the Raiders uh, to death. And that's basically why the Bears had to abandon the run, is that not so much yep. that the Chargers were scoring, but because they were taking so much time uh, away from us that we needed – to uh, abandon yeah. the run to, to start passing uh, to try to catch up a little bit before the game really got away from us. So Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. And that's one of those things that I'm, I'm trying to look at the, the Saints uh, scoring drives against the, uh, the Colts real quick just to get an idea of what those drives look like. And for the most part, uh, you know, it's five plays, seven plays. They had a three and out, eight plays. Like, they, they don't string together. They've, they've done a good job stringing together drives, but not early. Uh, once you get into the second half, it's seven plays, eight plays, six plays, nine plays. Like, they're putting together longer drives. or chewing three to four minutes off the clock, all that stuff. Uh, but it, it is not a – that early on in these games has not been the times where you see New Orleans start to string together some of those um, – some of those bigger, longer drives that choose some off the clock. So got to be able to do that. And what has, has plagued the New Orleans Saints a lot so far this season is that like they're one of the top teams in terms of uh, plays run per drive, but they're not scoring points. They're averaging just over 21 yeah. points per game now. And for a while it was like 15, 15.5 right. yeah. uh, during that time. And so they're putting together these long drives, but once they got to the red zone, they were stalling out. That's where you saw a big change in this team last week. And that's something that they'll have to be able to do again this week. Cause they're not trying to be, they can do it. Especially with Rashid Shahid. They can be that, you know, 70 yard, 60 yard, 50 yard touchdown team every now and then. Uh, but for the most part, they want to grind you down. Uh, but the the issue has been that they'll they'll grind between the twenties, and then once they hit those red the red zone, that's kind of where they've been stalling out. So, yeah, we Bear fans are very familiar with that type of yeah. uh, type of thing, especially under Nagy. I, I don't I don't think people I don't think fans realize how common that is. Like the red zone is not easy. It is much. You have so much more space in between the twenties. The coverages are different. All of that. Like it almost goes advantage defense when the when the field shrinks. Right. It's just the pressure of giving up points that becomes like the mental side of the game. It's why the mentality of the game is almost as important as the physical side of the game. Right. But like, it is a very common thing, especially this year because offenses across the league have consistently been awful. Like this year, one of the reasons why is because red zone scoring is like just terrible this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been, uh, um, you know, a crazy thing to, to watch. And, and, you know, I've, I'm, I'm doing the NFL show again, uh, this year, which is why the Saints mm-hmm. have been one of the more curious teams uh, for me to keep track of, because going into the season, 
you know, like you mentioned a few minutes ago when you were talking about their schedule, it's like, yeah, we've got this three games here, and then you have the Lions, and then after that, it's like, wee for the rest of the season. Because <laughs> you got the Panthers, the Giants, the Rams, the Buccaneers again, and then the Falcons. It's like, okay, I mean, it's like – you guys could really win out the rest of the season or maybe lose yeah. one or two and, and be, cause I like, this is what I was saying when I was, when I did my quote unquote picks that don't stick uh, mm-hmm. show uh, before the end of the, before the start of the season was like, seriously, man, the saints are in a position where they could go like 12 and five and be like that sneaky number two seed in the NFC uh, this year. Like, you know, they could actually even challenge for the one seed with the schedule that's laid out, uh, in front of them uh, and everything. It's like, I really see the Saints as being a team that can make a move this year. It's like, maybe they won't do much in the postseason when they run into mm-hmm. the Lions or the Eagles or or uh, or what have you, or the, God forbid, the 49ers, but they mm-hmm. could definitely be one of those teams that gets a higher seed than they may, quote-unquote, deserve because they're beat up on everybody in their division and they kind of have this cupcake uh, schedule. It's like, even at 4-4, four and four, you guys are still in a really great spot to win 10 11 games if you get your, you know, you know what together uh, for the remainder yeah. of the year. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly that phrase right there. Yeah. Uh, the uncensored version is exactly what <laughs> defensive end Cam Jordan uh, said about this team and what they needed to do. He said about two weeks ago. So we'll see if they do get their, you know what together. And if they get to a situation to where they're able to do that, because they do like they have prime territory laid out in front of them to at the very least be a wild card team. You yeah. know what I mean? Like at the very yeah. least, like if something happens and they stumble or there's an injury that costs them a couple of games midways through to the end between now and the end of the season, whatever it might be, like you can look at whatever worst case scenario for the most part that you want. This team should probably be, uh, I want to say worst case scenario, but you know, most not ideal situations. Um, this team should still be a, a double digit win team or at least a wild card team, yeah. um, and, and and they could do that, and so I, I don't know. It, it becomes tough. I think the only thing that you look at that maybe keeps them from being a wild card team is that how bad the division is. So you can't be a you know seven and ten second place team and get a wild card spot like that. That's not going to happen. Uh, but like you know, they could be that other team if some other team within the division turns up or something like that. Because every team in the NFC South has a bad has a bad schedule because mm-hmm. they're all playing the NFC North and the, the AFC South and all that stuff. Like they're all playing that same schedule and it, it, it makes all their schedules really easy because of that. So they should be in position um, to at least be like, even if they were to be the worst division winner, then they're the, you know, they're the four seed, yeah. whatever it might be. Like, you know, they're in position here to be able to host a playoff game right. <laughs> and everything. All they have to do is, is take care of their jobs over on their end. Yeah, because I just you know, like I said, as as wide open as the NFC is, period. And then coming from the division that they're coming from, no Tom Brady uh, this year. You got a rookie uh, quarterback in uh, in in Carolina. You get the the Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask showdown uh, for whoever that quarterback uh, is going to be. And then the Falcons going with Desmond Ritter. It's like really, who in this division should the Saints be afraid of? Uh, right, right now, you know, not expecting yeah, and the Falcons Go ahead. and the Falcons, by the way, just, just flipped Desmond Ritter. They're starting Taylor Heineke yeah, now. I know. And so, and so like when it comes to these next three games, we've been talking about the, the bears, the Vikings, and then the Falcons, 
it, by all intents and purposes, it's also three backup quarterbacks that you're going up against, or at least three quarterbacks that haven't been the starter that weren't the week one starters for each of these teams. So like, it really is all there. Yeah. Yeah. It really is all there, which is why, again, this seems like one of those teams where one of those games where it's like, I'm going to do my show on Monday and be like, I don't know how they did it, but they managed to, they managed to pull it off. Derek Carr all of a sudden couldn't stop throwing interceptions or, you know, this happened or they, you know, this offensive line that's actually pretty good forgot about Montez sweats and, you know, and it just goes uh, ballistic there or something like that. This is one of those inexplicable games. Like I'm still picking the saints to win. Cause that's what logic says is going to happen. Mm-hmm. The bears aren't good enough to win this game, but this really does kind of line up to be one of those where it's just like, I'll be stunned, but I shouldn't be surprised that the bears would, you know, pull this one up. Cause why wouldn't they win this game? You know, it's like everybody's yeah. out on them uh, again, even their entire fan base and, and everything. And Bajan starting another game. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it's just shaping. We had another weird week with the trade deadline and we got another coach fired uh, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, why wouldn't this dumpster fire come in? and win a game they don't deserve uh, against the Saints uh, on Sunday. So it really will be if the Saints come in and play their game versus coming in and letting the Bears do what they they want, which would be a a huge mistake. Yeah, the Saints have to do what they did last week. They have to compete against their standard. Uh, The Bears win this game if the New Orleans Saints lose it, and the New Orleans Saints win it if they don't lose it. Like That's the way that this this game goes. And it's easy to look at last week – and say, oh, the Saints were really good last week, so that means, therefore, they will be good again this week. That's not the way that the NFL works. If that was the way that the NFL works, the Saints would be undefeated right now because they won the first game of the season, right? right. So, like, you can't, you can't transpose what you see from one week ahead going into the following week. But what you can do is look at the rosters. And what you can do is look at the game plan. What you can do is look at the scheme. What you can do is look at the playmakers. And by all intents and purposes, the Saints are the better team in this matchup. And so really what they have to do is just come in and be the better team. Um, That starts with their defense. And they've got to be able to make the plays over on the offensive side and punch the ball into the end zone. And they can't settle on field goals, all those stuff. They have to treat the Chicago Bears like they're going up against elite expectations in an elite team. Right. Like they have to be ready for that. There's no looking past this team because it's the Minnesota Vikings, so you're not looking ahead. You know what I mean? Everything lines up. Everything's right. You're coming off of a big road win. You're coming back home. The fans are excited. Everything's in line. All they have to do is go out there and execute. And that's been the big issue for New Orleans so far is consistency and execution. Those have been the big things. And so I think that, you know, if they can, this is a big game for New Orleans because effectively what New Orleans is trying to prove to itself right now and prove to everyone that's watching is they are the team that they keep saying they can be. Right. And, And it goes from the potential of what the team is to the expectation of what the team is. And if they can establish that expectation, then they're going to be in a much better position moving forward. If they flounder in that, and if they get to a point where it goes back to potential once more, that's on them. Like that's them fumbling the bag. And so they have to be able to, to maintain here. I think they can do it. I think that they can. I'm just stressing that it is important that they do so. Right. Yeah. You sound a little nervous. I mean, not that the bears are a team to be nervous about, but like you said, the, the saints are more so playing against themselves than they are against the uh, bears uh, on Sunday. Cause yeah. that, you basically kind of answered what my next question was going to be, which is, you know, with, even with the schedule that they've had, they've struggled so mightily, especially on the offensive side of the ball, when you mm-hmm. have offensive talent, that would be the envy of most teams 
uh, in the uh, in the league. Has it been like the red zone thing where the execution kind of falls apart? Have they been shooting themselves in the foot with penalties or turnovers? What, and, and, or is it like you were saying before? Is it like one week it's this, the next week it's that, uh, and everything? Because sure. they win the first game of the season 16-15. Uh, to 15. Uh, they mm-hmm. barely squeak past the Panthers in, in in week two. The you know uh, car going out early in week three against the Packers is kind of and you know and they fall apart completely in the fourth quarter uh, in that one and so on. So it seems like there's a different story to tell in just about every game this season. Yeah, I, w- I would say that there's some moving targets in terms of execution issues in particular, but the consistency has been uh, situational football. So third downs, red zone, points off turnovers, you know things like that. They've been They've been god awful in those situations, except for last week. Right. Um, so, so is that a fluke? Is that a mirage, or is that a true, you know, changing of course? That that's why this game is so important. And then, um, and then the the moving target has been around like the execution in particular. Uh, receivers, uh, you know, not running the right routes. Receivers quitting on routes. Uh, you know, miscommunication between pass catcher and. Uh, and quarterback, which is what route is expected to be run in the run game, execution of blocking, um, you know, missing assignments uh, in pass protection, missing assignments, missing blitzes, missing pickups, things like that, misidentifying where blitzy is coming from. So it's been like a little bit of the, of all those things. And then the, the other kind of consistent factor that envelops all of that, or that, that, that's a part of all that and kind of strings it together is putting themselves in bad situations. And so that would mean, you know, an incomplete pass on a first down and then a run and then a run call on second and 10, which is guaranteed to kind of at best set you up for a second and seven, right? You know, or third and seven, you know what I mean? And so that leads them. And so that's on play calling. And so that leads them to a third down where they're struggling because they're already struggling in situational football or, they get into a third and two, third and three situation, but then it's a false start. Now all of a sudden it's third and eight, yeah. third and seven. So again, they put themselves in position that where they struggle. And so it's been like a little bit of everything feeding into the kind of core issues of situational football and execution. Yeah, always always something. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar uh, with that, especially though, hey, we got it third and, or you know, for the Bears especially, one of our biggest Achilles heels which is especially frustrating as a Bear fan based on what they've been my whole life is that they'll do things on defense that will kill mm. them. You know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be that team that's struggling to get off the field to give the ball back to our offense, and we'll do something like, oh, we finally shut them down on third. Down. Oh, there was a holding penalty, automatic yep. first down, you know, yep. fresh set of downs and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Those are the kinds of things that the Bears – you know, would do. It's like you're a team that cannot afford to make these mistakes, and yet almost every time you have a chance to get off the field and do something, you do something to screw that up. You know, holding penalty here or illegal hands to the face or, you know, for some reason you're lined up in the neutral zone. So what was third and eight is now third and three and, you know, and things like that just over uh, and over uh, again. So, I mean, it's – it's definitely frustrating uh, to watch the team do that where you, you think they've done it, and then, oh, here comes the laundry. Now it's a flag. Uh, it's first down uh, that the other team did not earn. We basically just yeah. gave it to them. And uh, watching them go back and forth uh, doing that uh, for an afternoon is uh, – Yeah, I can it, see it how that would be frustrating. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So real quick about Alvin Kamara. He served that uh, suspension. 
And yet mm-hmm. I've, you know, been waiting to hear about that monster game that Alvin Kamara is capable. He hasn't really had it yet. I don't think. Uh, no, not necessarily. I, and, and I don't think that he will. I don't think monster game from Alvin Kamara is something that you're probably going to hear this season. There's too many weapons on this offense, so it's sure. going to be a little bit more kind of dispersed a little bit. Uh, but and maybe maybe there's a game or two that he ends up taking over or something like that. But I think for the most part, like between what he does, I mean, he just had a 13-catch game just like, I mean, his first game back and all that, but it was, you know, 13 catches for like 30 something yards. I think it was like historically the lowest amount of yardage for a 13 catch game ever uh, and everything. And so like, there's been kind of those little pieces, but between him and then the rotation with Jamal Williams now, and then rookie Kendra Miller, and then the way that they use Taysom Hill. And then you've got the passing game and all these other things that like, I don't know that you're necessarily going to see the big monster game, but what you are still seeing from him is the playmaking ability. Like he hasn't lost that at all. He's, you know, the touchdown that he's the first touchdown that he scored last week because he had a two touchdown game last week um when he scored that first touchdown on the the option route he caught the outside he caught the linebacker with outside leverage cut back inside ran the angle route toward the middle of the field caught the pass turned up field and then any other running back well not any maybe like any other running back not named alvin Kamara or jameer gibbs gets tackled at the four and Alvin Kamara scores a touchdown. And so I, I think that like those are going to be the things. I don't know that he's going to have some, you know, wild 100, 180 yard all purpose game this year again or anything like that. That might not be necessarily what they need him to do. Uh, but he, he hasn't, he, he is by no means uh, limited in this offense right now. Like he is still doing the things that he needs to do in terms of helping to put points on the board and helping to extend plays. So how hot is the seat under Pete Carmichael? Right, I mean, is Dennis Allen Dennis Allen's seat warm at all as well, or would winning the division obviously save him uh, this season? Where, where is the coaching staff as far as their uh, their love and hatred with the fan base uh, in New Orleans yeah. these days? Yeah, the fan base. Well, the, the fan base doesn't really determine whether the seat's hot or not. Right. So, so what I'll look at is like the the the, the NFL side of it. So I, I'll be a little bit surprised if Pete Carmichael is back next year. N- not because he didn't do a great job last week or anything like that, but I just I don't think that the consistency is there with Pete Carmichael. And I also think that when you look at this offense, th- this offense is kind of stuck right now, and and it's missing it's missing the boat in terms of what the rest of the NFL is doing: motion, play action, wide zone approach. All these other things with some of maybe the the gap scheme mixed in on the run game and all those other things like it's missing what the modern day NFL offenses look like. So I think you have to update that because if you don't if you don't keep up, you're you're going to get lost and, and it's going to happen quickly. No matter what kind of what kind of talent you have on your roster, um, Dennis Allen on the other hand, I, I don't I don't think his seat's very hot. Uh, I, I think that if he were you know if the Saints don't make the playoffs this year, then yes. Like there's a chance that that the Saints make a tough decision there, but I think if this team gets a you know gets back into the playoffs, they're missing the playoffs the past two seasons, uh, including Sean Payton's last year, and then they're you know good to go in terms of that. And even if they lose in the wild card round, like getting to the playoffs is kind of the expectation for this team right now. It's kind of the ceiling for this team right now. And so I think if he's able to match that and hit that ceiling, then like he's probably back next season because this last year was his first year as a head coach, which means he basically got a free pass, right? Like it didn't matter how poorly that first year went here in new Orleans. He didn't have his quarterback that he wanted. Um, you know, he didn't have his staff like that. That was a thing. And then so now this year you go in, this is his first year truly with the, with a quarterback that he wanted. Remember the saints pursued Deshaun Watson before they doubled back to, 
Jameis Winston. And then as quickly as they could, they moved things over to Andy Dalton, which shows you that Jameis Winston was not really there. It was kind of confirmed that Jameis Winston wasn't their first choice. Right. And then now this year they go into the offseason, and what's the first day that they do? They go out and they get Derek Dennis Carr. Allen's quarterback. So this is only his first year with Derek Carr having his quarterback. So I think more than likely, unless it's a catastrophic bottoming out and loss of the locker room, which doesn't feel very possible right now, um, then he, you know, like, unless that happens, he, he's back next year for a second year with his quarterback and his staff, but maybe with a new offensive coordinator, because right now he like Pete Carmichael is kind of the one piece that Dennis Allen inherited as opposed to brought in, even like the linebacker coach, Mike Hodges, who they held on to like Dennis Allen was a part of the staff when Hodges was brought in and when Hodges kind of moved up into that role. So uh, he's the one piece that Dennis Allen has kept from Sean Payton's days, basically. Mm -hmm. And so I could see them potentially making that change, giving Dennis Allen, then he he got better year, you know, year one was probably better than what they might've expected. Year two was better than year one because they gave him his staff and his, his quarterback. Now year three, can it be better than year two because they give him his offensive coordinator? That could be something I could see happening. Sure. Sure. I mean, I just, um, how real were the rumors that uh, Jameis Winston was possibly going to be a Minnesota Viking? Not real. Not real at all? No. No? Because that was the no, one those... kind of rumor that was floating out there, and then the the Vikings go and get Josh Dobbs. It's like, what happened to Jameis Winston? I mean, I know Winston is, is a backup, and he hasn't played much this year, if he's played at all, because uh, Derek Carr's been relatively healthy, from my understanding. Um, mm-hmm. But... You know, Josh Dobbs versus Jameis Winston, that's not a tough call uh, Yeah, for me. I agree. I agree with that. But I, I don't think the Saints were going to let Jameis uh, out of the building. Um, they love Jameis in terms of what he can do as a backup quarterback. They're, they're not – it's very clear from and, – and I'm, I'm assuming based upon their actions, right? You can kind of read into the actions. You can sure. see, okay, well, clearly they like these other quarterbacks as starters. Uh, but Jameis has a very respected role. Uh, as a backup quarterback, he is somebody that is not only uh, played but won in their system, and he's somebody that is massively important in that locker room. Massively important, and so I don't think you're going to give him up for anything. I think that the rumor said that they were going to trade like a conditional. At the there was conversations around the Vikings trading a conditional third. The Vikings don't even have a third round pick, so like that was just a couple of people on Twitter that have you know that have bought their check marks that are trying to get some clout sure, and that wanted some sure. some engagement. Like that's really all that that was. So tell me, my man, what's it like walking around New Orleans with billboards of your show uh, on the street? <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. Lockdown's doing well if you guys are buying billboards all over the place. <laughs> Um, it, it is, it is a feeling for which I am remarkably grateful. Yeah. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this a, a couple of times, but you know, I grew up, I grew up in the city. Um, and then I had to leave with, you know, after Katrina and everything. And then I went on sort of this like 10 plus year journey of, you know, to working an entirely different field and moving from Arkansas to New York city, to Los Angeles, California, to Portland, Oregon, to wherever, you know, just like wherever my work took me basically. And so to be able to come back home, have a voice in my own community and to see it represented that way because of how supportive locked on is of its talent. Yeah. Like it, it's an incredible feeling. So like the only thing that I could say is that, is that I'm grateful. It, it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah, when I talked to to Dave Drogemeyer uh, last week from Lost on yeah. the Chargers, his 
his word was surreal. You know, yeah, walking around weird. L.A. to see Locked On Chargers uh, on a billboard. I mean, this is a podcast for Pete's sake, and you're on you're on billboards, and it was like, okay, I guess we're yeah. doing this now. That had to be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, podcasts are no longer a small you know outlet or a you know it's like it, it, there's 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 weight here uh, yeah. in terms of in terms of what we do now, and and I say we as in you and I, and so uh, like I think that like it, it just goes to show you that there's it's never about where you start. It's always about the journey and where you end up, where you're going, all these other things. It's because I remember starting on a podcast with, oh my gosh, it was my guys, Vern, Al, and Tyler, the three of us who were at, the website was called All Saints Considered at the time. And then NPR sent us a cease and desist letter to say that we couldn't use all blank considered anymore because they're their show all things considered. So we changed it to section 600. Uh, and you know, we were doing that podcast for a couple hundred people. You know what I mean? Uh, and then from that we got plucked and then, you know, all of us kind of moved on to doing, you know, more stuff and everything. Tyler's in coaching Vern's you know, with his family and Al's writing and I'm doing locked on and everything. And like, it, it's, it's been an incredible journey. And so it's like that whole thing that like, when I tell people all the time, like people ask me like, Hey, what's your advice? If you want to get into podcasting? I'm like, start, <laughs> yeah, just start, just like, start. just do it and everything. It, it makes, it makes a massive difference. It definitely does, man. And, uh, well, you know, I, I love having you uh, on the show. Uh, as much as I don't look forward to playing the Saints, it means I get to have you back on. So that's <laughs> something uh, to look forward to, uh, at least. Uh, how do you Same see man. this thing? Uh, how do you see this thing going down uh, on Sunday? I think it's a game that I think the spread right now is like eight and a half in favor of of New Orleans. I would take the Bears to cover, so I would call it like twenty eight to twenty. If the Saints win, um, I don't think that they're going to score 30 points, the New Orleans Saints. I don't think that they need to to prove consistency from last week. They haven't scored, like I mentioned, that was like the end of the 2020 season since that's last happened. So I'm not going to say, okay, let's buck every trend here. Uh, but the Saints should win this game comfortably. And maybe it's a, a late score here or there or wherever, whatever it might be. But like something that puts the Saints maybe eight points away, I think is probably where they end up. So I'm going 28 to 20. Uh, for this one, but I don't think it's going to be an easily um, achieved game like that New England Patriots game was. Yeah, I, I think the where I, where I'm at is very similar, but I see it more like the Saints get out in front and we make it 28 to 20 by the mm-hmm. end of the game. Like maybe we throw something together to make it look like it was a one score game when really when you dig into this game, it was never that close uh, kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think it, it may be somewhere in, in that uh in that area, it's like going into this game. We're, we were two and six. We're playing our third game without our starting quarterback. They're really the only thing I'm looking forward to is is how Montez looks in a in a bear uniform and and uh, yeah, man. You know if he can if he can uh, you know endear himself to the fan base by maybe getting to car once or twice in this mm-hmm. game. But like, all right, everybody can calm down now. We have a football <laughs> player. Calm down. You know. So yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I would I think that's more what I'm looking for. Than, than an actual uh, Bears uh, victory uh, at this point. Yeah. One of these days we're going to be back into the expectation of, you know, we're going to win this game and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> we're not there right now. I, I yeah. don't think that we have the the, the coaches to do it because I think talent-wise the Bears should be able to play with anybody. But the coaching is, is, this, is really showing this year how important coaching actually is. 
you know, yeah. to, to, to be able to have the talent and then be able to do something with that talent are obviously two completely different skill sets. And, yep. you know, we're finding that out the hard way uh, with this team because there's no way that we we're supposed to or that we did improve across the board on all three levels of the defense. And for the first five weeks, we were as bad, if not worse, than we were uh, last season. We were literally pulling guys off the street uh, to play for yeah. us. So that's what's so maddening about watching this team play is that there was excitement for this team not just in Chicago but in other places as well and we have nowhere near lived up to the potential uh, of what could have been so mm. yeah when you're when you're admired in the middle of a season like that it's the little things that you look forward to like yeah what does Montez look like wearing 98 for the Chicago Bears and and can mm-hmm. he can he do something exciting in that first game so. Yeah, I hope that I hope that what Chicago does with him. I, I know he just showed up with the trade deadline, but I hope that they at least use him in those uh, obvious passing situations. The Saints, um, the majority of the sacks that they have given up so far this year have been on third down, like the vast majority, like three quarters of the sacks they've given up have been on third down. So if you have him in there to, you know, rush the passer in a clear and obvious, you know, rush situation i know he's a very good run defender as well which probably is is gonna max yeah it's gonna maximize his snaps for his first game i imagine but if he's in there for those obvious passing downs that will probably open up an opportunity for him because the saints like to hold the ball a little longer on those third downs especially when they get in those third long situations i just hope that it doesn't make floose uh lazy because he's our defensive play caller since we don't have a defensive coordinator uh Mm -hmm. right now i just hope it doesn't make him lazy because he's you know cover two likes to get home with four uh, and everything is like just because sweat is out there and that's an upgraded pass rusher doesn't mean that we should just sit back there and, and you know try it. it's like yeah dial up a blitz the montez sweat on the field yeah. might actually help with that as yeah. opposed to you know just trying to win four against five like we do on on every other down it's like i just hope he doesn't right. get lazy with it thinking that uh you know because we got sweat that he's superman all of a sudden he can do it all uh by himself so yeah. Anyway, Ross, my good friend, thanks so much uh, for coming back. Best of luck on Sunday. Hopefully everybody comes out healthy, win, lose, uh, or draw, and, and good luck the rest of the year. Because like I said, looking at the schedule, it's like you got these next three weeks, then you have that speed bump that is the Lions, and then like I said before, it's wee the rest of the way down, yeah. or at least it should be anyway, yeah. if you guys are the team that I think you are. So uh, best of luck to you. Where can we find you uh, in the meantime to keep up with what the Saints are up to? Thanks, buddy. Yeah, you can find the Locked on Saints podcast uh, on all platforms. Just search Locked on Saints on either your favorite podcast uh, provider or on YouTube. You can find the written work over at Saints.media. That'll bring you to Saints News Network, which is the uh, ESP, or excuse me, the uh, Sports Illustrated Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. And, of course, you can find all of it all in one place on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, NOLA, N-O-L-A. Nice, and there it is, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints, helping us preview Bears Saints for week number nine. As always, love having Ross on the show. Be sure to check him out on Locked on Saints and catch him online at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A, on the Twitter to uh, keep up with him and uh, keep up with these Saints because you never know what's going to happen. That week division that they're in, that week schedule that they have, the Saints could be movers and shakers in the NFC, um, you know, by default because they're just – 
You know, they are on paper, I think, the best team that the NFC South has to offer, and it's just a matter of them being able to put it together and get it done. So let's wrap things up here with our uh, keys to the game. And the first one is for uh, Matt Eberflus and the defense. Uh, How about we don't put it all on sweat in the uh, pass rush? You know, just because we have him now doesn't mean that we should sit back on our heels and play zone uh, and and basically just demand that he get to the quarterback on every single play. It's like, how about we take advantage of the fact that we have him now? You know, because if anything, blitzing should be easier with Sweat because we have a real threat to get to the quarterback coming off of the edge as opposed to what we had before this could definitely help in opening some opening some uh, spaces for for guys to come in because they have to honor Montez Sweat and what he brings to the table, which would leave you know somebody one on one or somebody untouched that can just come flying in and, and kill the quarterback. So, how about we uh, not put it all on Sweat? And I'm not saying that we should blitz. On every play, we should have a good mixture uh, of it, and um, but we it cert- certainly should not be the ninety uh, ten that we usually see when uh, we're just trying to get home with four. So don't put it all on Montez Sweat. It's his first game in a uniform. He's not Superman, so let's just go ahead and uh, you know let him be an enhancement to what's there, as opposed to just putting it all in his basket aka you know a la you know uh Khalil Mack like when he first came in so uh key number two let's go back to the running game we didn't see it enough against the uh Chargers and we talked about it with with Ross it really wasn't so much because the Chargers got ahead early it's because of how they did it you know the long drive six minutes here seven minutes here uh, and everything, these long, methodical uh, drives that, uh, you know, in their first two touchdown drives that put them up uh, 14 uh, to nothing. These were long uh, <gasps> drives that, that, you know, they did to us what we did to the Raiders the week before, which was we we bled the clock dry with our drives, converting on third down, extending uh, the drive, moving the trains, and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, and then we basically had to ditch it in the second half because we were down 24 uh, to 7, you know. But we didn't, and we didn't do it enough in the first half when we were trying to scare the Chargers out of the box by throwing the ball down uh, the field. So we want to come out. We want to reestablish the running game, let Roshan, let Deontay, uh, you know, get going with the uh, with the running game and uh, – you know, build off of it from there like we did uh, against the uh, Raiders. I think we'll have a higher level of success uh, if we do that versus uh, just straight abandoning the run and putting it all on Tyson Bajant to uh, beat uh, the New Orleans Saints. And then finally, uh, Cole Komet uh, mentioned it uh, in the postgame uh, press conferences uh, or postgame comments uh, with reporters and everything. Uh, he said we didn't bring our physicality to L.A. Uh, when we played the Chargers. Well, just make sure you bring your physicality with you to New Orleans. Uh, 
You know, let's, uh, you know, be that team that we were that kind of imposed our will on the Raiders. That was fun to watch. It really was. Like I said, it wasn't the sexiest game in the world, especially on the offensive uh, side, um, you know, with the dink and dunk uh, in the, uh, of the passing game and everything. It was a lot more fun watching us uh, run the ball. But, uh, you know, it was effective, and it got the job done. So don't leave home without your physicality uh, this week. The Saints are tough on defense, and they have big play potential on offense. We need to be physical on both sides of the ball like we were against the Raiders to have a shot in this one. You know, we, we were absolutely have to bring every tool we have in our toolbox uh, to win this, uh, to win this game. So don't leave the physicality in Chicago. Make sure you bring it with you, tuck it away in your carry on and bring it to the New Orleans so that uh, we have it to use uh, against the saints uh, on Sunday. So, Anyway, guys, that's going to do it for the Week 9 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back on Monday when we'll review Bears-Saints for Week Number 9, see how the game uh, turned out. Was it another embarrassing road loss? Uh, were the Bears in this one? Did we put up a fight? Hell, did we, did we mess around and win this game? Like, I kind of threatened Ross Jackson. Like, this is, this is exactly the kind of game the Bears win this season because... We've kind of lost all faith in the Bears once again uh, because of the way they performed against the Chargers. Um, Even with the the addition of of Montez Sweat, you know, still not expecting much from the Bears in this game. Now watch them screw around and win this game uh, on Sunday. So come back on Monday, find out what happened, and uh, we can discover it together. So uh, until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.